You are listening to KaneCast, a podcast that provides commentary on the economy and financial markets by the Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management Team. Hello, this is Jordan Greenhouse, Managing Director with Kane Anderson Rudnick. And with me today, I have Chris Armbruster, Portfolio Manager and Analyst with the Kane Anderson Rudnick Mid-Cap Sustainable Growth Portfolio. Chris, thank you very much for being here and the time you've taken to speak to our listeners. Chris, while the first quarter of 2021 was led by low-quality equities in the reopening trade, we began to see fundamentals begin to take shape as we got through the first quarter and moved into the second quarter. Can you talk about some of the key drivers in the markets that impacted this? This is a good opportunity to reinforce the fact that we believe company fundamentals are always the most important determiner of stock performance over time. Even during the first part of 2021, when low-quality or cyclical or recovery names were outperforming, it was because of the underlying fundamentals. Those businesses had trouble growing, in some cases, for years. With the stimulus and economic reopening, suddenly there was a massive tailwind for revenue growth that the market had not accurately accounted for in these companies' valuations. I'd like to highlight an example of a large department store retailer. It suffered a revenue decline of 31% in 2020, but is expected to post revenue growth of 28% in 2021. Like many of these growth-challenged companies, it has spent a good deal of time right-sizing its expense base, so the earnings leverage from the improved top line was probably also underestimated. This year, its operating margin is going to 3% from negative 9% in 2020. The fundamentals are improving, and they were underappreciated. On the flip side, some of the growth names were starting to face difficult comparisons to their stellar 2020 numbers. Many of these businesses thrived in a world where more software, more automation, more digital was mission critical. As companies returned to normal spending on these services versus the panic spending of last year, growth rates are going to moderate slightly. We have software companies whose revenue growth is slowing from 31% to 30%, another from 49% to 41%. These aren't big slowdowns, but the fundamentals are softening, if only in the short term. What happens after a while, though, is that investors start looking a little further in the future, past these difficult comparisons, and should again be attracted to these growth stories that will play out over the next five plus years. Going back to the retailer example, The 2020 growth rate is projected to fall back to 5%, and the operating margin is set to expand from 3% to 4%. Those are certainly less exciting fundamentals. By contrast, you have a leading identity management company that just came out with guidance for revenue growth to exceed 35% every year through fiscal year 2026, at which time the free cash flow margin is projected to hit 25%. It has maintained its competitive differentiation through innovation and savvy capital allocation, continues to land large new customers, expand internationally, and upsell new products. Those are the kind of fundamentals that really matter in the long run. Chris, at a portfolio level, can you walk us through some of the key contributors for the mid-cap growth portfolio during the second quarter of 2021? The top five contributors to the mid-cap growth portfolio this quarter were automated bill payment enabler bill.com, Electronic Signature Pioneer DocuSign, Transaction Tax Software Specialist Avalara, Application Monitoring Company Datadog, and Pool Supply Distributor PoolCorp. 
One key contributor we would like to highlight this quarter is Datadog. The transition to the cloud is in full swing. It's no longer a question of if companies are going to move to a cloud-based architecture, but when, and how much they are going to rely on software going forward. The success of companies in today's digital era is directly tied to the performance of that software, and Datadog offers the most comprehensive platform that provides insight into the performance and business impact of a company's software, applications, and IT infrastructure. From a single platform, Datadog is able to monitor, analyze, and provide visualization of a company's entire cloud deployment, no matter if it is on AWS, Azure, GCP, or in a private cloud. Since Datadog's products are priced based on infrastructure footprint, in our view, it naturally benefits from companies digitizing their IT infrastructure and receives a tailwind from all of the innovation by the public cloud providers. But Datadog isn't resting on its laurels. Since its IPO in late 2019, the company has expanded its product portfolio from three products to nine. New products include user performance monitoring for insights into experience of individual users to spot and correct website performance issues, security monitoring to detect and block application level attacks, and network performance monitoring which provides monitoring insight into the performance and dependencies of software deployed across public cloud, private cloud, and on-premise. Datadog has low customer acquisition costs because it offers a free-to-try version of the platform that often converts users to paid subscribers, and one of the highest lifetime value to customer acquisition cost ratios in the software industry. Can you also provide some examples of some of the detractors to the strategy as well? The bottom five contributors to the mid-cap growth portfolio for the quarter are electronic bond trading platform Market Access, leading sports betting platform DraftKings, after-school tutoring company New Oriental Education, Chinese automotive platform AutoHome, and programmatic advertising leader TradeDesk. The detractor we wanted to spend a little more time on this quarter is TradeDesk. TradeDesk is a platform that allows ad agencies to purchase advertising across a myriad of channels, websites, apps, music, and connected TV, using data to optimize spending decisions. In many ways, it is applying the targeted advantages of a social media advertising platform to ads outside a walled garden to meet the need for better advertising efficiency, reach the right customers with ads, and convert them into paying customers at a higher rate. While TradeDesk cut its teeth on the open internet, connected TV has emerged as one of the driving forces of growth. At about 30% of revenue, connected TV is TradeDesk's most important strategic focus at the moment. The global TV ad market is enormous, at least $250 billion, and connected TV is estimated to be just 5% penetrated, with TradeDesk named as the preferred provider by major media platforms and getting premium inventory from leading connected TV companies. TradeDesk has delivered connected TV ads to 80 million U.S. households so far, surpassing the 78 million households known to have a multi-channel video programming distributor. That's the technical name for cable or satellite service. TradeDesk has been pressured for almost all of 2020 by concerns over changes made by Apple and Google. 
Apple's iOS now has specific opt-in policies for its identifier for advertisers or IDFA. Google is planning on doing away with cookies. Both of these tools are used by advertisers to target and track users with iOS or Android devices respectively. Losing access to them would make targeting harder, lowering ROI for advertisers and reducing the attractiveness of using Trade Desk's programmatic advertising services. Management stated that only 10% of the $4.5 billion of ad spend on its platform is on iOS, and it has plenty of other inventory to sell advertisers in its place. Google's decision to eliminate cookies complicates tracking a little more, but Trade Desk is working with a consortium of ad tech companies to develop an alternative called Unified ID that leverages email identification to deliver targeted ads. Additionally, Google has already backpedaled on its timeframe, pushing its cookie transition out into 2023. We believe it is still likely that Trade Desk emerges as one of the strongest digital ad providers to the open internet and connected TV ecosystems. Chris, lastly, as we move into the second half of the year, what were some of the considerations you're looking at from a portfolio construction level? With the value of M2, which is defined as liquid money like cash, checking, savings deposits, or money market securities, up 30% since the start of 2020, and the Fed's balance sheet up 90%, inflation is a top-of-mind topic for many investors. It seems that the current inflation companies are reporting on inputs and that is showing up in CPI or PCE, both of which are at the highest level since 2008, could in fact be transitory as the Federal Reserve has claimed so far. Supply chains and production of raw materials were decimated by the global pandemic. Now that the economy is reopening rapidly, many companies are caught flat-footed, trying to respond to surging demand. This is all exacerbated by the labor shortage, which has been created by the fiscal stimulus. Given time, we expect capacity to come back online and for the supply of things in high demand to normalize, causing prices to retreat some. The bond market agrees with the yield on the 10-year down under 1.5% from a high of 1.77% in March. It is worth noting that structural inflation, supply chain shortages, and activities like double ordering, which we have started seeing in the semiconductor market that drives up prices, are all very different things, which likely have very different long-term effects. We don't know for sure if this uptick in inflation measures will in fact prove transitory, but we firmly believe our differentiated businesses are well prepared for it if it doesn't. Businesses with unique products or a valued competitive advantage have the ability to weather short-term inflationary conditions in the form of pricing power. As costs rise, these companies can pass along those increases to customers or consumers, insulating margins and cash flows. As always, thank you very much for your time and the insight you provide our listeners, and we look forward to future conversations. Thank you for your time and for your interest in the KAR Midcap Growth Strategy. Kane Cast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rutnick Investment Management. CAR. This material is provided as a matter of general information and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast or research. 
The opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the opinions of CAR or its affiliates, are current as of the date and time of the recording, and are subject to change at any time due to changes in the market or economic conditions. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by CAR to be reliable and are not necessarily all-inclusive. CAR does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information. This communication should not be construed as an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. To the extent any performance is discussed, past performance is not indicative of future results.